0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Before we even get into our notes there, I just wanted to uh, share with you something that's on my heart. Galatians 2.20 was a verse that I shared last week and underline it, underscore it in your Bible, highlight it. Paul makes the statement, I am crucified with Christ. Now he can't be saying that from a physical perspective because he wasn't crucified physically, was he? So it's a spiritual revelation that when Christ was crucified, he is saying, I was also crucified with Christ. But then he goes on to say, but nevertheless I live. Now he's talking about the life that he lives here on the earth when he was in his physical body. And he goes on to say, but no longer do I live, but Christ lives in me. Say that with me. Christ lives in me. I don't want that to fall on any deaf ears. Say it again. Christ lives in me. Wow. What a statement. Christ is alive in me. Christ is living in me. You realize the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in each and every one of us. The mighty spirit of God. Hallelujah. That hovered over the face of the deep. That when the word was spoken went and brought all things into creative manifestation. Imagine that. He lives in every single one of us. But he goes on to say too that the life I live in the flesh. His physical life on earth. I live by the faith of the son of God. Think about that. The faith of the Son of God. Some translations say faith in the Son of God. I believe both are correct. We live by the faith of the Son of God because he gave to every man the measure of faith. And whose faith? His faith. He made an impartation of his faith. He dealt to all of us the measure of faith. It's the faith of the Son of God and also faith in the Son of God, meaning faith in his accomplishments and achievements. But now notice this. He goes on to say, who loved me? Can we say that together? Jesus loves me. God, my Father, loves me. I am loved just the way I am. You realize He loved us just the way we are long before the world was ever created? Even though He sees us and knows our shortcomings, faults, failures, and etc., etc., He doesn't look at that. He looks at who we are and who He made us in Christ. He sees us in Christ. And in Christ, He sees only good things. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Who loved me and proved his love, how? By giving himself for me. Say that with me. Christ gave himself for me. He died for me. He paid for my salvation. Can we take a moment, just a moment, and thank him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus it's not based on our performance it's based on yours it's not based on what we've done or what we haven't done it's based on who you are and what you've done oh we thank you we thank you we praise you Lord Jesus hallelujah for all that you've done for us praise God what a revelation you know the price that he paid for our salvation and redemption should be reflected in the life that we live. Remember Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, they love much. When we know truly what we've been forgiven, it moves us to love the way he loved us. It's so important that we recognize the need for us to see ourselves as he sees us and to see others as he sees them. That's what love does. We've been told to walk in love and faith works how? By love. What that means is we love ourselves as well enough to say that shortcoming, that fault, that failure, whatever it is that I see in myself that maybe I don't like, you know what? Jesus took care of that. He doesn't present me full of guilt, sin, consciousness, or condemnation before the throne of God. He presents me holy, righteous, unblameable, In the sight of the Father. Every one of us. It's not based on your performance. That doesn't mean we shouldn't live right. It just means that praise God. He's already done what needs to be done. For us to walk holy upright. And righteous before the throne of God. And we can do that. And then when we see others. And this is really stepping out there. We see others as he sees them. You know how easy it is for us to see others as we see them. There's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that looks right to the man, but that's the way of death. You know what the way of life is? When I look at you and I don't see your faults and I don't see your failures, I don't see your shortcomings, all I see in you is what he sees in you. What does he see in you? A treasure. A masterpiece. Someone worth sending his son to die for. That's what we're to see in one another and you know when we start criticizing one another and, and not be being bitter or unforgiving toward people then we're not walking in love and we're not seeing people as he sees them he wants us to see people as precious and valuable in his sight but also in our sight it's the enemy's attempt to get us to the place where we walk out of love because he knows faith works by love so you know what we should never be offended and never let anything offend us because we're not looking at that we're only looking at what Jesus has done for us who we are and what we have in him who people are and what they have in him why because Christ lives us in us and the life we live in the flesh we live by the faith of the son of God faith in his accomplishments and achievements and so therefore everything he's imparted to your life is a reality I'm to see that in you Bring that into your marital relationship and think about how two people should walk in love toward one another and serve the Lord together. When two people look at each other and only see the good that's in them and it's say highlight the good and they love them as Christ loves them. We're to love one another as he loved us. What happens? It knits those two hearts together as one. It creates a tremendous powerful force for God. that can be used to honor and glorify him in that marital relationship and within that family. You know, beloved, I believe we're living in the last of the last days and Jesus is coming soon. And he wants the church to be the light, like he said, on a hilltop where people can see. He doesn't want us to hide our light under a bushel where they can't see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. You know, people might sometimes will will ask, well, can I do this? Can I do that? You know what? It's not about that. It's not about that because if you're in love with Jesus, then you're gonna love as he loved. If you're in love with Jesus, you're going to want what he wants. Matter of fact, Jesus gave us the acid test as to whether or not we love him. know what he said? He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. There are 613 commandments, laws and commandments revealed to us in Scripture throughout the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled them all. Aren't you glad that he did? You don't have to look up all 613 and just say, I got to do this, 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 this. I just have to love you, Jesus, and let your love flow through my life you know why because he said love is the fulfilling of the law he said if you will walk in love then you'll fulfill all those because you see love will not kill love will not steal love will not covet covet love will not covet what what someone else has it just won't do that and so when we adjust our lives just to let love flow in us and then flow out from us and through us we're living in the realm of the miraculous that's the realm that god wants us to live in seeing the best about every person, speaking the best about every person, that we could be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. And why am I saying all this? Because this is how faith works. And we're talking about living by faith. And so if we understand some of these things, and you know what? Our faith is not going to be operational like it needs to be. It'll be there. It'll be faith, but it'll be dormant, inoperative, inactive. I'll tell you, one of the biggest things the enemy will use in a person's life is this spiritual disease that I call condemnation. Guilt. Sin consciousness, infer, inferiority, condemnation in a person's life. Why? To destroy that person's life or to handicap him spiritually so his faith does not work. That's exactly what he wants to do to everyone, because he knows that you identify with your faults, my faults, your shortcomings, my shortcomings, our failures, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and it's easy for him to push that off on us and highlight them as we look in the mirror, we see ourselves. He could be saying things like, How can God love me? Stop right there. Don't ever say that. How can God love me, someone like me? Don't say that, that's the enemy making you want it, making, he wants you to think that way. Trying to get you to think that way, how can he love someone like me when I do this or I do that or whatever? You know what, he loved you before you were born, he loves you now that you are born he will love you throughout eternity and he's made provision for all our shortcomings faults and failures and there is a waterfalls of the blood of Jesus Christ that just flows in our lives cleansing us from all unrighteousness and when you and I step out of the realm of love just step back under the blood and take a good blood bath praise God and get washed in the blood of the Lamb. and then from there you know what make a decision I'm gonna walk in love I'm gonna recognize that the next time the enemy tries to tell me, don't forgive that person, look what they did to you, or be bitter towards that one, stop right there and just say, oh, it's not me, I'm dead. How can you offend someone who's dead? I've been crucified with Christ. So therefore, I consider myself to be dead. I'm alive to him and I'm walking in this flesh body, but I was crucified with him and therefore, I take no offense. I refuse to receive offense. So when it comes to condemnation, don't receive guilt, don't receive condemnation, don't receive sin consciousness. You know what you do? You you get cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You might have conviction, but just get under the blood and praise God, thank God that you are completely set free and delivered. But let me say, say something else. It doesn't belong to us, so don't take it, don't receive it. But listen, don't dish it out either. Don't dish it out. Don't try to tell someone Things because you see things taking place in their life in the flesh that they're not worthy or God doesn't love them or God's not pleased with them or anything of that nature. The goodness of God leads people to repent. And we let, when we let them know how much God loves them, when we let them know what Jesus did for them when he died for them, When we let them know that all they have to do is believe and all your sins are washed away. You're cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and you have a position of righteousness before the very throne of God. You are upright and holy. Colossians tells us that when he reconciled us to the Father, he declared us righteous, holy, without spot, without blemish. Notice those two words, without spot and without blemish. Do you realize that Jesus was the lamb slain without spot? And without blemish. And that goes back to the Jewish sacrifice. The lamb had to be without spot and without blemish, right? Now you're the same way in the sight of the father. You're without spot and you're without blemish because you are in Christ. You're not a body. You're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And all three have been redeemed. All three have been paid for by the blood of the lamb. And in all three departments of our being, he looks down on us and just says, now that's my boy. And that's my girl. Hallelujah. What a masterpiece. He might even brag on himself a little bit and just say, what, what good work I did, huh? That's how he sees us. And that's how he wants us to see other people. Now, the life that we live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. Because you see, we're to deny ourselves. We're not to deny the devil. Jesus said, if you'll be a follower of mine. He didn't say, deny the devil. Take up your cross and follow me. He said deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It's a life of self-denial. We're not going to let this man on the outside dictate to who we are when Jesus shed his blood and purchased our redemption and made us who we are in him. Two beautiful words is are, are in him. In him I live. In him I move. In Him, I have my being. In Him, I have my worth. In Him, I have my value. Oh, praise God. In Him, I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And in Him, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Think about it. It's all in Him. had nothing to do with any of us. All this took place before we were born. So it's not based on us. It's a revelation of what God did for us in Christ when he raised him from the dead and was given permission to recreate our spirit. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new species who never before existed. All things have passed away and all things have become new. You're a new creature in Christ. Praise God. Aren't you glad for that? And I believe that, look, we don't need to have a thousand scriptures to have reality with God because you see this life that we live, it's a relationship, not a religion. It's a relationship that we have with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit as we study the word of God. The Holy Spirit will take a word from God. Just one scripture that we just talked about here, Galatians 2.20. You know and what we should be doing? Make that a reality in my life. When you go to bed at night, rest your head on the pillow of God's promises and tell the Holy Spirit when I wake up, I want you to do a work on me throughout the night. When I wake up, I want to be more in tune with who I am in Christ. I want to have a deeper revelation of what it means to have you who raised Jesus from the dead dwelling inside me so everywhere I go, I can let my light shine. As I conform to the very image of Jesus and I become that for which he has apprehended me and shed his blood for me, I can live my life in such a way as to honor my loving God, my heavenly Father, my living God. And I can be a light, a vessel of honor, an instrument of righteousness, a tool in his hand to communicate his love to all the people that I come across today. He wants us to let our light shine among men. It's easy right here in church, isn't it? But out there in the world, he wants us to tell people, do you know how much God loves you? How he cares about you? And the sacrifice that he made for you, amen. We could practice this presence of God and take it to the world. Praise God as the Holy Ghost. Now, in 2 Corinthians, we're talking about living by faith. Chapter 4 and verse 13. And I wanted to use this at the beginning because what I'm about to share with you, and I promise not to be too long. But what I'm about to share with you is really meaningless without relationship. It's going to be less effective if we don't understand this is all born out of relationship that we have with God. When David stood before Goliath, and that's way at the end of our message, but when he stood there, do you realize he didn't have to sit somewhere in meditation secluded from everybody else and just say, God will fight for me, 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 me. I got to build this into my spirit, you're going to fight for me. You're going to fight for me? You know what? It was spontaneous. His declaration of faith was spontaneous. You know why it was? Because they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. He knew on the inside of him exactly what God would do for him. Why? Because he had intimacy with him. He walked with him. He talked with him. He understood him to be a shepherd that he could never want. He also understood that as a shepherd, it was his responsibility to take care of the sheep, and if need be, sacrifice his life for the benefit of the sheep. He knew that, and he was willing to do that, but there he was, this honest shepherd, and what did he say? The Lord is my shepherd. That was so ingrained in him by his personal experience of watching his father's sheep, Then when he stood before King Saul and King Saul said, you can't fight Goliath. You're just a kid. He's a warrior. His declaration, the God that delivered me out of the hand of the paw of the lion. And my God who delivered me from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this giant. It was not a manufactured confession or declaration. It came up from here because he knew it. He walked in it. And so it's important to understand it. So look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. We having a different spirit of faith. What kind? The same spirit of faith. We don't have a different spirit of faith. We all have the same spirit of faith, whether it's David or Daniel's or anybody else's. According as it is written. Notice the word, the terminology, as it is written. Isn't it something that Jesus expressed his faith by saying it is written? Did he not do that? Sure, it is written. Notice, I believed and therefore have I spoken. Why is that important to know? because people are trying to manufacture confessions of faith based on what somebody else believes. It's not based on what somebody else believes. It's based on what we believe. And the reason why we believe it is because we study the scriptures, we've gotten to the word of God. We've settled things in our minds and we know we've got a covenant with God. We have an anchor for our soul. And we know what our redemptive rights and covenant rights are. Our family rights as children of God. And so we've embraced them. And because we've embraced them just like David did. We can spew out of our mouth. No. No, no, no. You can't do that. I'm not going to accept guilt and condemnation. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not going to be overwhelmed and overcome by sin consciousness. Or a sense of unworthiness. Uh Uh-uh. He made me worthy. People think it's humble by saying, I'm so unworthy. No, that's being without knowledge. If you had to earn your worthiness, you better live a long time. It's not going to happen. You can't earn it and neither can I. But someone earned it for us. He made us worthy. To be partakers of an inheritance in the saints of light. Can you say amen? So, I believe, there have I spoken. Then he went on to say, we believe and therefore speak faith is released with words words coming out of a mouth from a heart that believes and embraces truth there's a difference between a disciple and a believer did you know that a believer believes that jesus is savior and lord and we're on our way to heaven and we thank god for that but he said if you continue in my word then you're my what disciple disciplined student indeed, and you shall know, Epikinosko, a full understanding and revelation of the truth, which means entering into the truth, not just saying, I understand it. It's not intellectual, it is spiritual. It is participation in the truth. You've heard me say it many times before. You stick your fingers into the sockets. Now you know electricity. When your hair is flying up in the air, and you get zapped, you know it. It's not being book smart about electricity. You can know that, but never really know it. It's when you touch it, when you experience it. It's like eating that piece of cake. You may know all the ingredients that's in it, but you don't know it until you put it in your mouth and savor the taste. Now you know it, right? The same terminology that way back in Genesis chapter four, Adam knew his wife Eve and they bear a child. It's intimate knowledge, intimacy. You may know a lot of women, but you better only know your wife. Let that sink in for a little bit. It'll get there am I right ask her I'm right so it's a depth of knowledge it's a depth of knowing it's a depth of understanding that's born out of a relationship that we have with him so this confession of faith that we're going to talk about is not just someone echoing somebody else and repeating someone else you should say you're not sick What's that going to do? Nothing. If that's all you're doing it's just parroting somebody else. It has to be a revelation within the heart, something that you embrace and something that you believe. And because you believe it, therefore have I spoken just like David did. All right. Now we talked about in review, God didn't create us to live for ourselves. That has to become a revelation. We're not alive To satisfy our own personal needs and lives. He created us for him. Time and time again we see in scripture. I made you and not you yourself. You're the one who made us. If he made us then he has a right to govern us. But he made us for his pleasure. We are and we're created right. Adam and Eve blew that didn't they? When they stepped beyond the boundaries of their creation. Lucifer did it first. He stepped beyond those boundaries and he fell. And then he inserted into the minds of Eve the mind of Eve and then Adam just followed along but Eve is the one that was deceived we are told and as a result she was deceived and she looked away from what God said to what her senses were telling her she fell because they stepped beyond the boundaries of God's will for their lives then we see the Israelites had a beautiful place for them prepared by God for them they stepped beyond those boundaries they never enter in the promised land because they don't walk in faith and so every time that God had a place for people on earth, it seems for some reason they don't want to dwell in it and experience it. But you know what? I believe we're living in the last days. And in these last days, the church is receiving the revelation that is needed to rise up to a higher place. You know, we're, we're talking about, I don't like at the beginning of the year just saying, This is what we're going to do throughout the the theme throughout the entirety of the year. Sometimes there's cliches and rhymes and all that. Like, stay alive in 95. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Right? But what's risen up in my heart is increase for all of us. To rise to a higher place or plane of spiritual awareness recognition of our redemption to fall in love with Jesus everywhere we go so much so that we're so in love with him that it oozes out of us you know Paul said that you and I are are to express the very savor of the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go remember he said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 14 and 15 he said the aroma that comes out of us is both deadly and lively in other words, it stinks on one end, and it smells wonderful on the other. To so those that are lost, we stink. We smell. You ever wonder why when you start saying things like uh, the Bible teach, oh, you're one of those. See, they're smelling us at that moment. And they don't want to be around us because we're talking about the love of God, talking about redemption and all that. But to a believer, when I talk, start talking to other believers, and we start talking about Jesus and the things of God, oh, what a savior! What a fragrance. We are God's air fresheners. <laughs> and everywhere we go we get squeezed and what comes out? It's the fragrance of the aroma of Christ but it just has this twofold effect upon people determined by whether or not they're saved or not. So be the example that God wants us to be. Amen. Also he didn't Create us to follow our own plans. We talked about that for a little bit. But he has plans for good, not for evil, to give us a future and to give us a hope. And I believe that. So what am I supposed to do? Say that. See, faith believes and faith says. So we could say something like this. I was created for him, not for myself. And I'm beginning to walk in faith. I can say this. I was created to follow his plans for me and not my own plans. It's not what I will, but what you will. Didn't Jesus model that for us? Not my will, but your will, Father. And that's what he came to do. And so we do the same thing. What's your plan for my life? What do you want me to do? Whether it's your profession, whatever. Marriage, how many children, etc. But then also, we said that we weren't created by God to be bound by demons. But to cast them out. Take authority over them. We weren't created for sickness and poverty, We were created to prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper. The soul in here is important. It's the way we think. If we think wrong, we're going to believe wrong, speak wrong, and have wrong. And I'll be honest with you, I I shared this Friday in our healing class. It's just, it's beyond me when I hear some of these preachers and other commentators say things like, there they go again, that name it, claim it, health and wealth gospel. I'm like, you see, if you you could, you could take offense at that. Number one, you know that they have no idea what they're talking about. Besides, if they did, they wouldn't be talking like that. But let me just play this out. Just give me some latitude. Is that okay? Okay, so you don't want to come to a church where you hear God wants you prosperous and God wants you healthy. So our next seminar, come and learn how to be sick, and poor (laughs) ten point message on how to really run yourself down physically and empty your bank account and when it's over we'll have a special offering (laughs) they sound so foolish by saying something like that if you're going to say that say it this way people have taken it to an extreme But just because they took it to an extreme doesn't mean it's not real do you realize when he brought them out of egypt there was not one feeble among their tribe and he brought them out with silver and gold do you realize that why he wants them to prosper and be in health out of anywhere from two to seven million people that came out of egypt there was not one feeble among their tribe and he made promises to take sickness and disease away from the midst of them. So all that is incorporated in the fact that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord Physician, our great healer, right? And also, why did he give them all the silver and the gold if he wanted them to be paupers when they lived their lives upon the earth? How would they build his temple, a dwelling place for him, that cost millions and millions, if not billions, of dollars? Why? Well, he brought them out because all the silver, the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. And he wants to get in the hand of the righteous so we can advance the kingdom of God on the earth. That's why, not to be selfish, self-centered and all that and on ourselves, but to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. So he wants us to prosper and be in as our soul prospers so that we, we can honor him. Now, you think about Solomon. You probably heard me say this not too long ago. Solomon, his worth, 2.1%. Trillion dollars. $2.1 trillion was his worth. Queen Sheba came to see what's going on. How he got so wealthy. Now that might be a little extravagant. I can live on a trillion a year. <laughs> Could you? Maybe six months. A trillion? <laughs> Think about it. King Solomon, $2.1 trillion Was his worth? It's amazing. God had a work to be done, had to be funded. He had a temple to be built, so on and so forth. But the the point is, God wants us to prosper and be in health so we can promote the gospel and let people know, praise God, that He's a good God. Also, I've been trying to get to this. (laughs) He didn't create us to view mountains as insurmountable obstacles that impede our progress or our going forward in him. But he created us to view them as windows of opportunity in which to use our faith in him so that those mountains can and will be removed. So let's keep these thoughts in focus and put them in their proper perspective and understand that when we teach on the subject of faith, it's not just I got this formula and I'm gonna use this formula And I'm going to just start saying all these different things because I believe in words and these words are going to come to pass and all that. If that's the person's perspective and view, they're going to fall short. They're going to get in trouble. I try, I've heard so many, I've tried that faith business and it doesn't work. Did you? How did you get saved? I'll ask them, how did you get saved? Well, I believed in my heart and I confessed with my mouth the Lordship of Jesus. Did you? I thought you didn't believe in that faith business and they look at you like oh you believe in your heart something and confess with your mouth something resulted in your salvation and here's the key the word salvation soteria is a word that's all inclusive it means save deliver heal rescue preserve so what the heart man believes unto rescue what the mouth man confesses to be in rescue healed, delivered, preserved, and so on and so forth. He'll satisfy your mouth with good things that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Fountain of youth. People travel around the world to try to find the fountain of youth. Oh, all kinds of adventures and people going everywhere trying to get younger It's right there. Someone just really said, you know, I'm so sick. You know, when you hit 50, you get sick. <laughs> really? Oh my. The devil has everybody duped into thinking that, you know, you got to be sick. I told you before, I thought 30 was old when I was 15. And when I was 20, I thought six or 40 was old. And when I hit 20, I thought, you know, 50 is old. When I hit 67, nothing's old. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? There is no old. <laughs> I got a blessing just yesterday going to visit my parents up at the nursing home in Youngstown. And one of the workers there just said, you look younger. I said, I, I received that. <laughs> I'll take it. He said, what did you do? Did you? Just me. <laughs> you look different. You look younger. I said, I received that. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everywhere be established. <laughs> Look at Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. Have we begun yet? <laughs> and the devil said to them, hmm, no. And some Jewish historian said to them, some crazy fanatic said to them, who said to them? Jesus. Jesus said to them, you couldn't cast the devil out because of your unbelief. For verily, truly, I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall what? Shall what? Faith. faith comes from the heart. You've got to believe something in the heart. If you say, Unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Shall be impossible unto God. Come on, come on board. Unto who? Unto who? How is nothing impossible to us? If we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, but what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth must be rooted and grounded in what God has already said. We don't get out here on our own and step beyond the boundaries of God's word or the covenant and just start saying what I want to say. I, when I was at school at Ramah, you, you would not believe the things. I would listen to them. <laughs> you, think, you think the ladies' restroom is bad. You should go to the men's bathroom and all him talking about all the. I just can't pay my bills. Just can't seem to pay my bills. I just, I'm I'm believing God for $100 to pay my bills. And he's in there every break. till finally someone comes along and says, you need a hundred bucks here. Stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) If you have faith, have it between yourself and God, not in the restroom talking to everybody that's there. Right? So you, you go in there and you hear people talk. And I heard this one. Oh, if we had that kind of, if we really had faith, we're faith people. If we really had faith, I would never have to work another day in my life. And I'm like, have you never read the scriptures that say if you don't work, you don't eat? Can you see how people take things to an extreme? And that's why we get criticized. Oh, you crazy people. Because people do things like that. Jesus never said you you don't work. Just have faith and believe. Yeah. There's another hundred-dollar bill just flowing down from glory. (laughs) Come on, come on, bring some more my way. It doesn't work that way. You believe God to provide for your every need from your heart and with your mouth, but you got to go to work because you know what? He might find you more work to make your more money. And you, oh, I don't want to do that. All right. Mountains are to be viewed as, in, as, as opportunities, windows of opportunity for us to use our faith. As Jesus said, speak to your mountain. He did not say, take your mountain to God. And here's where people really miss it. He didn't say, take your mountain to God. He said, speak to your mountain, address it in faith. And it would remove and nothing would be impossible to you. So it's up to us to do something about building faith within our hearts by finding out what the word says belongs to us in Christ. This is not something apart from what he's done for us and provided for us. We're not stepping out on something that we do, but it's on what he did for us. And so we see this insurmountable mountain standing before us. And you know what we do? We find out what the word says. And when we find out what the Word says, we say this, Holy Spirit, build that truth in my heart. I want to be able to see the revelation of it. I want to know it. Not because pastor said it, brother Chuck said it, or so-and-so said it from TV, whoever they might be. I want to put my head on my pillow and rest it on the pillow of your promises. And I would like the Holy Spirit to take that truth, speak to me during the night shift, during the night watch, And make it a reality in me so that when I rise up, praise God, I have a deeper revelation of what it really means. And it's faith in my heart and I can proclaim it and declare it to be a truth in my life. That's how faith works. Can you say amen? As a matter of fact, can we quickly go through these? Look at these verses. We saw Matthew 17, 20. Look at 21 and 21. Everywhere you see Jesus teaching faith, I want you to see what he says. Jesus answered and said to them, verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall, what? If you shall, what? Say "Say unto this mountain, say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Notice he said, if you have faith, you shall, what? Say. Say. Okay, look at uh, Mark 11, as if you don't know where that's at. But look at Mark 11, and Jesus answering, saith unto them, have what? Faith in whom? Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall what? Are we getting the point he's making? If you had faith, you would say. If you had faith, you would say. If you had faith, you would say say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you will have what? Whatsoever you say. So we see it's a deeper revelation just saying, well, hey, someone said this to say this and you're going to get it. Yeah, I, yeah. just, just say, um, I'm a multimillionaire. It doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, that's selfish, number one. You're asking amiss that you can consume it upon your own lust. But if you say, my God supplies all my need and whatever your need might be, he'll supply it. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 17, and this is a biggie. This is a biggie. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Okay, and the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might what? You think he's driving home a point? You would what? Say Say to the sycamine tree, which has roots that spread out everywhere, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted into the sea, and it should obey God. Obey Obey who? You. You. Now notice he's talking about bitterness, and unforgiveness. And he said, Peter said, increase our faith. The disciples said, increase our faith. Because he said, Peter said, how often should we give? He's going to be the big man here with the big heart, right? The big forgiving heart. How often shall we forgive? Seven times. Jesus said, no, seven times 70. Oh my, you better increase our faith. He said, if you'd have faith, you would just say, say what? Say the right thing. You know what you would say? I've been forgiven the million dollar debt. I'm forgiving people who have wronged me. Besides I'm dead how can anybody that's dead be unforgiving or bitter toward anybody? I absolutely positively refuse to entertain strife, envy, division, unforgiveness or bitterness. You know why? It nullifies my faith. People want to know why their faith's not working? Faith works by love. It is the trick of the enemy. It's the wile of the devil to make us think that we got to get even. Doesn't work that way. Now we got to be critical about other people. It doesn't work that way. No, what we're going to do is love everybody. and If they try to offend us, just refuse to accept it. I've had people say to me, you know what they did to you? How can you still love them and be kind to them and all that? Because that's how God is toward them. He's merciful toward them. He forgives them. He cares about them. So who am I? I've been forgiven this humongous debt. How can I hold anything against anybody else? It's wrong. I'm not going to do it. And why? Because I want my faith to work by love. You want your faith to work? It works by love. Don't fall into the trap of the enemy to make you think less of yourself or of other people. Don't do it. And so you recognize the fact that if there's something in you like a root of bitterness springing up, remember the root of bitterness, speak to it. See, we're not talking about just speaking finances or, or even healing. Speak to the tree of bitterness and say, I choose to forgive everyone. I refuse to entertain thoughts of bitterness. I uproot you from my life. I plant you in the sea of forgetfulness and I will not allow you to be brought up in my heart or mind ever again. Praise God. I think we could go about two hours this morning. But I'm going to let you off the hook. (laughs) Let me just finish with these Hebrews. and Where Jesus said talk to your mountain. He spoke to the wind, the waves, and the sea. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Jesus spoke to the wind, waves, and the sea. If you think we're crazy. Jesus spoke to the wind, the waves, and the sea, and a tree. Who is that, the one that you're following, that leader? The fellow over there talking to that tree. He's my Lord. What? He's talking to a fig tree. I know. Yeah, I know. Seriously? Really? See, it sounds crazy and far fetched, doesn't it? But guess what? Come by tomorrow, it's gone. Look at the wind waves in the sea. A calm. He demonstrated that for us. He modeled that for us. Why? So we can say like, things like this. You will not have my son. You will not have my daughter, devil. Get your hands off my child. I train up my child in the way he or she should go. When they grow old, they will not depart from it. You say, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. I'm saying, praise God, that my child is walking with God all the days of his or her life, coming home from the land of the enemy to his own borders to serve you faithfully. And I'm not backing off one I it. You know why? Because even when I'm gone from this realm, the Bible says my statements of faith will be captured in these vows full of orders, which are the prayers of saints, Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. Everything that is created in this world was created by something that's not seen. It's still something, but it's not seen with the naked eye or even under a microscope. And what is it? Words. And notice this. It created all things, but then also, look at Psalm 148, and one more, and then we'll close it. Look at Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him. All ye angels. Praise ye him. All his hosts. Praise ye him. Sun. Moon. Praise him. All ye stars of light. Praise him ye heavens of heavens. And ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded. And they were created. He gave a command. And they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He, ha, he hath made a decree which shall not pass, which is why the waters can't cross over the seashore. Then look at Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll close here. Hebrews chapter 1. He gave a command, He spoke the word. The word brought everything into being. But here's the thing He allows us to tap into that kind of power. Okay, God, who is sundry at sundry or different times, in diverse manners, spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by His Son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, which we just saw how, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels that he attained a name excellent, more excellent than them. So, what is he saying? He is saying that words that created the world are words that. The same words that sustain the world, that propel the world, that hold everything together. Our words are more powerful than we think. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They are powerful and they have life and they have death within them. You see, but we've got to see this. We've got to have the revelation of it. We have to have a, a depth of understanding of it. So he created all things in the very beginning. God said, let there be light. God said, let the earth. God said, let the waters be part of it. God said, God, why do you think he over and over and over, emphasize that God said God said, God said, God said, God, said, God, said, God, said, God, said, God said. Can I tell you something else God said? Listen to it with the same authority that you just heard. God said let there be light, there was light. God sustained the world with the word of his power, it sustained. Joshua spoke, and the sun and the moon stood still for a season, for a day. And God honored the word spoken by the man. Right? Isn't that all true? He also said, you are a new creation. He also said, his spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you to quicken your mortal body. He also said, by his stripes you were healed. He also said, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but power love and of a sound mind. Are his words effective? Are his words powerful? So if we're buying the lie of I'm just so unworthy I just barely get along in life you have no idea live from pay to pay and I'm always sick especially when the fall time comes and all this now that it's springtime all these allergies are gonna rise up and I'm just gonna you watch them allergies you watch you see it's gonna happen death and life are in the power of the what tongue and they that love it shall eat the how's your eating this morning <laughs> what kind of fruit are we eating this morning And they that love us shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, they'll eat the fruit of their words. You better stop me. I'm not going to stop. So stand up.